Hello and welcome to Gather Round, the podcast series sharing stories from Aberdeen Archives, Gallery and Museums. In every episode, we'll be talking to members of the team and our partners about the collection, special exhibitions, the histories of our fascinating venues and tales of Aberdeen. Sometimes they might be dark and dramatic and hopefully always entertaining and informative. For the first time in hundreds of years and during Scotland's Year of Stories, the remarkable 10th century Book of Deer illuminated manuscript returned temporarily to the northeast of Scotland, where it is thought to have originated. We were very proud to have the book in our care for the summer at Aberdeen Art Gallery and were very grateful to our project partner, Cambridge University Library, for lending it. The Book of Deer project a volunteer community heritage group based at Adding Country Park near Mintlaw has led a partnership with Aberdeen Archives Gallery and Museums, Cambridge University, the University of Aberdeen, Aberdeenshire Council, Live Life Aberdeenshire and Cameron Archaeology to deliver the Book of Deer 2022, a celebration of the book which included the Art Gallery exhibition and a cultural programme in Aberdeenshire as well as an archaeological dig, which hoped to find the site of the Monastery of Deer in Aberdeenshire. Since 2014, archaeologists have been searching for the early medieval Monastery of Deer in Aberdeenshire, where the earliest known Gaelic was written in the margins of the Book of Deer around 1,000 years ago. In this episode, which was recorded in the field at the dig site, listen in as Ali Cameron, Alice Jaspars and volunteers of Cameron Archaeology discuss some of the fantastic finds they have discovered during the dig to find the Monastery of Deer, where the Gaelic notes refer to. Hi, I'm Alice Jaspers. I'm reading for a PhD at the University of Southampton and my PhD is on the subject of the Book of Deer and contemporary politics. That's fantastic, Alice. <laughs> Sounds like you're on University Challenge. Oh, I will. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Ali Cameron and I am directing the dig at uh, Deer Abbey, um, looking for the Monastery of Deer. So why are we here, Alice? Why are we sat by the bushes recording on site? We are. We're That's in... a very good question. Well, we're actually in Deer Abbey at the moment. We're getting a bit of peace and quiet from the diggers and the traffic. But essentially, we are looking for a monastery, which is earlier than this abbey that we're sitting next to. Um, so the abbey date's about 1209, is that right? Yeah. What's well, the date I've been telling everyone? It's 1219. 1219? I'm 10 years out. That's shocking. <laughs> but around about that time, they started building this. Um, and obviously, from the book, we know that there was a monastery somewhere. Or we think we do. I mean, it's this foundation document... Which is written in the earliest Gaelic. Don't tell me we've been digging for almost 10 weeks and there's no monastery. That'd be awful. Well, I mean, it would be interesting. They've obviously set up this foundation document to say that a monastery was founded. And so we're assuming that that is... When would you date the monastery to then? Because I've been thinking different things about the dates. But I wonder what you would say. Yeah, I mean, we've obviously found this post hole, which we're hanging a lot on, which dates <laughs> to around 650 to 750 AD. And that would be that would be quite early, wouldn't mm-hmm. it, for, for the monastery? Yeah. Um, and presumably it went on into, you know, not long before the early 13th century when this was 
were started. So mm-hmm. it's quite a, a large date range. For looking <laughs> I for... mean, no, with some of the finds you're making as well, with like the Nefertafel board dating between 500 and 1500. Yeah, it's lovely, yeah. but it's not massively helpful in terms of a date. No. So I mean, we were at this postal that we found in 2017, mm-hmm. which was had this very early date, and we found other postals near it. Yeah. That we haven't been able to date. Um, and then with these finds, so like you mentioned, the Nefertafel board, and we had a style, lead stylus, and we've That's got several. So nice. And we've got several gaming boards as well, mm-hmm. other gaming boards, but they they don't they could be abbey or monastery. Um, Slightly frustrating. But it's a shame that the book didn't really say much more about you know where <laughs> it, it was. And when I started with the project, you mm-hmm. know, we looked around this area quite um, a lot, you know, to see what the topography was like, to see what. You know, not that we were thinking we'd find a monastery poking up out of the soil in <laughs> on top of a hill here, but really just to see where possible sites might be. Um, but because these antiquarians said things like, you know, the, it was a mile from the mm-hmm. abbey, and so we've actually been looking a little bit further away. But of course, now we're in the field next door to the abbey. Um, you know, we we found some really good evidence. Um, Why would we pick that field? What was the original thinking behind choosing that field and not another one? So um, it was sort of a feeling that I had when we came to look at the field. Yeah. Um, that it's got a really interesting um, lie in the sense of it's got a terrace and then it slopes off down to, to the river. Um, and when we discussed it, you know, as a group, uh, it seemed like as good a place as any. Mm-hmm. We'd obviously been digging when you started. We were in Old Deer digging yeah. test pits. yeah. yeah. Um, which was fantastic, going to people's gardens. I mean, we were knocking on people's doors, weren't we? That was amazing. I mean, that was one of my favourite parts of the project, was knocking on people's doors and being like, can we dig in your back garden? And I think without fail, everybody said yes. Yeah, and then they got really excited when we arrived and all the kids wanted to help. <laughs> no, there's that photo of me with a tiny child-sized pink spade because I've given the big spade to a little girl. And that's amazing. I mean, that's exactly why this project is so important, I think. It's that community engagement that surrounds it. Yeah. I mean, I think we found in that trench maybe a 1600s coin. Yeah. And some bits of pottery that were later, but nothing earlier than that. Mm -hmm. But that didn't matter in that garden. The kids were just, you know, engaged with archaeology and history and they really loved it and helped us. Yeah. Um, Although I remember we had to help one of them out of the trench. We got a little (laughs) bit deep and we were helping a little one out. But that's the whole thing, I think, as well with this project, is we engage with a lot of schools and a lot of young people. So we had some homeschoolers here last week, and then we've had schools here previously. And the focus and attention they have to the task at hand is incredible. Yeah. I mean, we've had children missing snack break because they just wanted to keep digging. And I think that's an absolute, you know, praise of this discipline and praise of what we do here. Yeah. Is that people are so passionate and enthusiastic. And I mean, to be fair, we just want to keep on digging, really, don't we? We're <laughs> never happier true. than when we're covered in mud or <laughs> dust. And this it's obviously been incredibly hot this summer. And oh, so it's been, well, it was must be 29 or 30 for a few days. And um, it's been quite tiring on everybody. Mm-hmm. But our volunteers as well, I mean, they're just fantastic. You I know. know. They work and hard. The, experience, the wealth of experience they come with already is incredible. I mean, because we have you know, people from such a different range of backgrounds, we get such a different range of perspectives. So you get people who come from, like, previously being an engineer or a teacher or whatever, and that's incredible. Yeah. So some of the volunteers have been with us for years and years. Yeah, um, I was going to say. And some are quite new. So there's a few new volunteers on this dig. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, very rarely does somebody come for a day and not come back. You know, it's more the opposite that they, you know, they yeah, haven't like, take... I'm going to change everything around so I can be on site. Yeah. No, no, they've been, they've been really great. Um, 
And so, I mean, on site we've got um, lots and lots of stone rubble mm-hmm. that we're taking off at the moment, and it's quite it's quite hard work. You yeah. know, getting the um, it's also quite hard brain power because the the buildings are slightly muddled up. You know, we've got all this demolition <laughs> yeah. material and several wall foundation trenches or rubber trenches, and we're trying to work out which is which to get down um, to these lower layers. But of course, we can't just strip everything off, mm-hmm. machine it all off. Then, no. but we can't, of course. Because we need to find out what these buildings are. Yeah. And so we've got this drain or ditch. And we, well, it, we called it a ditch to start with. And then when we dug a bit more of it, we found it had a stone drain in it. Mm-hmm. So it looks like we've got some sort of industrial activity going on in this building that maybe like a mill or something that needed a lot of water. Yeah. And there's a huge amount of water running through the site. You know, these drains. But the... Um... The sort of drain part is so small, isn't it? It's very, very thin, which is really weird, isn't it? Yeah, so we would need to be something that didn't require huge amounts yeah. of water um, or maybe small amounts continuously for a long, long period of time. So, yeah, we've got a bit more thinking to do about that. But um, we also, where you were digging deep into oh your water channels. Gosh, that water channel. Mm-hmm. It looks it like was... there's na- maybe natural running across the site or... But then gravel on both sides, which is mm. so strange, and it's not the shape I thought it would be at all. No, no. But it's just there's part of this big water system that, mm-hmm. that was, is running through the site. So, so I mean, we found some great archaeology. And finds-wise, you had a really nice find yesterday with your Oh, big... I found my jug handle. Yeah, she, I I Alice's him. got a handle on the side <laughs> now. <laughs> no, I was so pleased. It's like 12 or early 1300s, maybe a big bit. Of, it's a big bit of a rim and yeah, a huge yeah. bit of the handle. It just popped out of the, the side, like the first moment I sat down, which was amazing. But I think there's some people beside me who've been digging for a bit longer and they were making that classic face of like, oh, for God's sake. Well, there are some people on site who do find oh. more. Oh, Jan, always finding stuff. She's amazing. She got that coin last week from, what, 1250? Yes. And then the Nefertafel board and the second part of the Nefertafel board. What was it? She found something else. It was amazing, but I can't remember oh, she's it found several. But the Nefertafel board that she found in 2018 yeah. is from this thick slate. And when she found the one last week, yeah. she said to me, it looks like it comes from the same slate. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she, we compared them, and it's the same thickness and the same geology. Yeah. And it does almost look like they've cut... And I'm wondering if we have several boards and several circular counter-type mm-hmm. things, would they take a big slate and then they would cut out several I don't know, out of the same slate? How do you even cut them out? Like, what oh, do you do? Well, so... chisels and hard work. But yeah. slate fractures, doesn't it? Well, you'd have well, to be very careful. Yeah. Well, or yes, and they break, it would break, but um, yeah, yeah. So, oh no, but she's really amazing at yeah, finding things, and but also noticing things. She's got an artist's eye she as well. She definitely has an artist's eye. She's brilliant yeah. every time. Yeah, yeah. But it was so cool as well because Heather was making her mock up of like making scores on a piece of slate to see how it would work, which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I mean the fine team have been great in this dig. Um, no. That so to have Angela like full time, yeah. you know, running all the finds and all the volunteers. I mean, it's meant that like Heather can concentrate on just researching slates yeah. almost, you know, because yeah. we've got lots of scratch slates. Are they finds? Are they boards? Are they just natural? Um, and so she's got quite a good. You know, she's got a brilliant that. eye as well, and it was amazing having Mark come in two weeks ago or last week and looking at all the sort of counters and things we presented him he was so fast I've yeah. never seen anyone go through the vines that quickly and be like this mm-hmm. is a counter this is a never type of board yeah. I was quite pleased though my pot lid got upgraded to a counter oh right good good oh is that an upgrade yeah it's definitely oh. an upgrade I would love a counter I was so pleased yes because it's interesting so Mark Hall from Perth who did our report on the Nefertafel board mm-hmm. 
he was telling us that counters can be quite big. So he was. I was so confused by that. Yeah, what, five, six, seven centimetres? It's like maybe, a giant Monopoly he, dog. Yeah, so mm. he was saying that it could be a wooden board or. Because mm. I was thinking maybe more like an earthen board. Yeah, but yeah. He was saying, no, no, it could be stone or. So that's a big board. But um, it's almost as big as the Nefer type of board. That's why it was so weird. Yeah, it's almost more know. game things here than almost anything else. <laughs> what were they making on the site? Just lots of Monopoly boards. Well, yeah. <laughs> Nine Men's Morris, Nefer Taffle. <laughs> Have you tried to play Nefer Taffle yet? Well, I haven't, but obviously we had the students who played previously. Mm. Um, and they all seemed to be one side one. That one. Yeah, I think Jacob was really good at it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, I haven't actually tried yet, so, uh, yeah, yeah. it be next week's activity Next week's choice. activity, absolutely. So I've actually been fortunate enough to study for a PhD on the Book of Deer, um, and I started doing that in the middle of COVID, which is probably not the wisest decision. Um, but just a little bit more about it. So I'm reading part-time long distance at the University of Southampton, and I've got wonder- wonderful support by the faculty there, which is really helpful. But at the moment, I think my PhD's developed quite a lot since the successful NLHF grant, because obviously that has changed the nature of the project. And with the, the move of the book back to Aberdeen Art Gallery for a temporary loan as well, it's sort of changed the way that I'm thinking about it. Um, and so I've split it into three key areas at the moment. And my central question is, what does the Book of Deer mean to the people of North East Scotland? And is there a political dimension to that as well? Um, and so what I'm focusing on is, first of all, obviously this excavation that we're currently sitting mm-hmm. yeah. on right now and the way in which a community can be formed in relation to that, particularly with the wide roster of volunteers who come from such a sort of different range of backgrounds and expertise levels and different kinds of, you know, engagement and involvement with archaeology, which is probably my, my favourite part. Um, and then I'm also looking to the move of the book back to Aberdeen Art Gallery, as I said, on this temporary loan and the way in which people have engaged with it and seen it because I was I was a little bit worried actually when we won the grant and the you know the book was coming back that people wouldn't maybe feel the same way about it that I do and then I've gone in probably quite a concerning amount now I think they think I'm chasing the joint yeah it's getting a bit bit worrying like the cars give me a cheeky wave every time I go in oh god she's back um but actually people have been so so engaged with the text and it's it's moved here um, and I've heard people who've told me that they've wept when they've seen it for the first time. Mm-hmm. I know that there was someone who was like praying in front of it. I, you know, but for me, what was so important about this project this summer is the conversations that it's starting. And so I found it really exciting that people are like bringing their children in. And I saw a guy with his his son, and he was like, lifting his son up to the case to see the book and this kind of stuff. And for me, this is at the heart of a community project of this nature is the communities that you form in yeah. relation with something like this and you know the ways in which they can include such a wide range of people from yeah. a wonderful range yeah. of backgrounds i think that was wonderful um and then my my third area is this sort of tangential cultural program so we're seeing you know the banner project where they're making that sort of thing we're seeing interpretive dance programs we're seeing carrie come in with her book binding which is spectacular or helen with her storytelling so again, we have these really these three elements of a community project like this, um, and just looking to the way in which they intersect and maybe they differ, and people's relationship with the book as a result of that. 
Um, and obviously I'm using this, I'm setting this in this sort of political context right now, in addition to the media response to the Book of DSA, for example, the documentary that we have made in 2018 and the one we've got coming out in 2023, or all of our features in the media um, and people's interviews with that. So I think at the moment I'm, in, I'm really, really excited to continue this PhD. I mean, I'm so pleased that we've been able to make this project work and that this could all go to plan this year. Um, I think it's taken a lot of work from a lot of people and so really do appreciate the support from everybody who's been very, very helpful throughout this. Yeah, excellent. And so you're interviewing people yes, uh, as part of this, people yeah. who are involved in all over the project. And when are you handing in? When's submission? <laughs> Theoretically, I have until I'm 30. Um, but So that's another five years, but I'd really like to submit within the next two or three. Yeah, because that's you're doing it part-time, yeah. you don't know exactly it's a when. Bit but but yeah. Brilliant. Oh, Hopefully well. it all goes to plan. I, I hope know, so that too. Would be really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm here um, under a slightly rainy gazebo with uh, Margot Wright and um, this is the fines processing area and so Margot's just going to tell us a bit about some of the things that we've been finding on the dig. Well this is a bit of slag and it's, it's interesting, it's lead. So it's really heavy bit of slag and that indicates that lead was being actually worked okay. here. So for windows? Lead cames for windows, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe water pipes? Um, yeah, even lead styluses. All right. Oh, do we have a lead stylus, Margot? We do. Oh, yes. excellent. Okay. Have yeah. you had a look at that? Yes. Yes. It's yeah. A lead stylus. The problem is they can date at any period, yeah. really, can't they? Yeah. So for us, it would be early or later medieval. Yeah. Um, um, what else? Bits of pot, some glazed, some not glazed. Um, pot handles. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, well, we when the previous dig we had. We thought we'd found some prehistoric pottery because it was very crudely handmade. And But actually we had um, residue analysed and it isn't, it's medieval. It was mm. like 1250 to 1350, so to do with the abbey. One of the handles is the part of the rim and you can see where the, the handle's actually been attached by using the thumb to push it in. So you can see fingerprints, but it really is a crude bit of pottery. Yes. I also got a lovely little um, copper alloy plate with five little piercings, possibly part of the book yes. binding. Yes, that's lovely. I mean, that was found by Rory, the um, Edinburgh archaeology student, about half an hour into his first day on the dig, and it's very well preserved. It's too fine to be part of a buckle or anything like that, I think. Yes. Um, Some calcined bone, burned bone, but very small. I don't know whether they'll be able to identify anything because it's so badly... Um, yes, I think it's difficult to say, but I mean, it's probably animal bone, burnt animal yeah, bone from yeah, fires. But yeah. as we are in General Ferguson's garden, I mm, suppose you would expect yeah. to find all sorts of bits and, and pieces. And also that lovely little arrowhead, flint arrowhead. Yes. So there's been quite a lot of flint, actually, all yeah. through the site. Yeah. Quite a yeah. lot worked. I mean, the flint mines at Bodham's, what, about 10 miles mm-hmm. towards the coast. So yeah. um, you'd expect to find a lot of flint mm. around here. I wonder where the slate came from. Oh, now there's several different sorts of slate, isn't there? Um, there's more a bluey one That's and a grey one, and yes, one is bluey. I think so. Yeah. But there's certainly several sorts of slate. I know that we had our roofs done, and our roof was said to be one of the worst roofs in in, uh, in Grampian, and they said it was Balahulish slate. Ah, okay. And was that like a grey sort of? Mm. Or yes, yeah, yes. I think thick. I've seen some of that. It's quite can be quite thick and mm. grey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then we've actually got some stone roof tile as well, so yeah. bits of from the probably from the abbey again. But unfortunately, most of this is not really leading us to the monastery. No. There's not anything that can be only dated to the early medieval period, because no. even the lovely Nefertafel board and the other boards could be, you know, Mark Hall saying 500 to 1500 yeah. or so. Nice finds, but the, not the little coin. 
Oh, yes. Uh-huh. A couple of other things. Yeah, so Jan found that in a furrow. Mm. And so far, although it needs to be cleaned a bit more, it's probably English and post... Was it 1250 or something like the 1350, yeah. round about that period. Yeah. So, yes, unfortunately, but found in a furrow, so... But, um, yeah, lot, lots of lovely finds and nice that we've got a team working on them, um, you know, pretty much full-time. Even in the rain underneath the uh, awning, so keeping you all nice and dry. Good for the complexion. I'm here with Cathy and she's going to tell us why she volunteered here. Well, I've, I've volunteered on a few digs in the past when I was living in County Durham and um, it was, you know, I really enjoyed it. It was really, really nice to have a break from work sitting at a desk and yep. be able to, to come out and being in a muddy trench was much preferable. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and so I've moved back up to Scotland and, um, and I just thought it would be interesting to find out a little bit more and especially over in the East Coast here where there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, digs going yeah, on around, yeah. you know, Pictish and medieval. Yes. And and I just thought it would be really good to to to, to be over here for yeah. a bit. So where have you come from? You're over in where are you well, based? Um I live near Auburn, it's where I was born and brought up. Um and so obviously I've been on a few digs over there, but I've been so interested in what I've been hearing about things happening over here in the yes. North East, I thought it would be really Excellent. good to come over. And you come in a little camper van, Tiny and you're staying in the camper van. van. So you're all self-contained, you've I got am. all It's here. like camping with a teapot and a kettle. Oh, perfect. And a sort of proper bed. Yes. Sort yes. of proper. It's, it's not bad. Excellent. So we're standing in this amazing huge trench which was um, in 2017 we found a hearth which we can see over on the, by the side of us mm -hmm. which um, we had dated to around about 1150 to 1250 AD um, and the stonework of the hearth is here surviving um, and it's quite likely that this would be to do with the foundation of the abbey so it would be something yeah. to do with the industrial yeah. so making copper alloy or glass or some industrial process to do with the setting up of the abbey based on those dates mm -hmm. but next to it and in 2018 we uncovered this amazing path or causeway it's sort of three two to three stones wide and it wiggles along the trench now this year we've opened up this big trench and found another hearth yeah. which we've got samples from but of course we haven't been able to date them yet so that'll come within a few months of the the dig finishing um, and then we've got a gap where we um, have not excavated but we've tasked Gordon and Premler with finding out where the path goes so um, at the weekend Premler was here over the weekend and you know was excavating bits and found uh, where the path continues and it actually wiggles and it actually yeah. wiggles and carries on down it's so nice. and so it really really is yeah so I've come over to where Gordon's working and he's got a trench here tell us what you've been finding Gordon well I found a few areas of uh, charcoal here um, I've excavated the um, sort of southeast corner of the trench here, hoping to find the the, <clears throat> the bottom end of the path. But unfortunately, it looks like the stones have been removed yeah. um, from that uh, side of the path. So yeah. you've got part of the path here, yeah. and where Premler had excavated two layers of stone, you, we, you've only got one really. So where yeah. they've robbed out, yeah. Yeah, um, they've been robbed from the bottom end. Yeah. It's quite interesting. They must have needed these stones for something very specific because mm -hmm. they haven't taken many. No. Nope. They've just taken a few out. 
Um, and so this is nice because this is starting to weave off yeah. towards Premola along the top of this watercourse. Mm -hmm. So it does seem to be now be following this watercourse that's mm -hmm. behind us yeah. um, in a sort of wiggly way. Yeah. And then, yeah, you thought we might have some stake holes, but... Yeah, well, I, I checked. Uh, there was uh, four or five potential stake holes, but uh, most of them turned out to be burrows. Burrows. Yeah, yeah. we've had lots of burrowing, so, haven't we? So uh, so I'm just starting to excavate uh, the, the part where most of the, the holes were. Yeah, yeah. At the top end of the trench, so... Excellent, thank you. So I'm here with Premler. I mean, we actually call this Premler's Path because in 2018, Premler was here uncovering it. It's an amazing feature. Um, and so she's been following it this year, um, trying to track where it goes. Because it wiggles, we haven't been able to easily track it. But, I mean, you, what have you got here, Premler? So, yeah, I mean, you basically, I love the way you're sitting in stones here. You're sitting on a bucket, doing a drawing, and you've got stones of the path in front of you. Um, I mean, it just looks fantastic. Yes, it's lovely. It carries on from where Gordon is. It's come off at a slight angle, but there's three big stones here. Um, there are, is a space next to them, which may have been um, more stones that were taken away. Um, and then you've got this big layer on top of them. We were talking about this yesterday, weren't we? All of these burnt stones and charcoal sort of going over the top of them. So. It's slightly intriguing because if we have a date of around about a thousand for the um, bedding material for the path, then you know we, we we're slightly confused, aren't we, about where all these layers have come from, where all this sort of building material has come from, but yes. to cover it up. But it was good to find it. You missed it by how much in the previous trench? Oh, by about three inches. <laughs> <laughs> and then you extended the trench out yes. because just to see, and I obviously found it. So. Yes. Brilliant, but uh, yeah, and a really nice plan. I mean, obviously everything gets drawn and planned and photographed, so that's what you're working on at the moment, the plan of it. Yes. Lovely. Thank you, Premila. Sorry. So I'm just walking through an area of really deep butterbur into a trench here in the back of beyond where Margot is. And this is a trench that we've opened up to see where the path continues to. So she's dug a trench. Margot, how wide is that? Uh, half a metre. Half a metre wide. Yeah. And then that's a uh, metre square. Metre square. And then the long trench. I think it's about four metres. Four metres long. Yeah. And so this was set up so that we could see where the path comes to yes. through here. Yep. And so that looks like you have natural down there. Yep. So you haven't got much more to go. But no. So there's no sign of the path. No, but there's just some interesting... This stone here, yeah. so maybe a bit of a wall or a bit of rubble yep. that we're investigating. So it may be that the path doesn't come this far? Maybe not. Or it maybe it's down there? Maybe. Yes. There are some things there, but... Yes. So when you set up this trench yesterday, you had to come in here, it was like a jungle. Yes. <laughs> and you were taking all this butterbur, this really tall stuff, yep. and you were throwing it yep. over here, because yep. I've got a video of you doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. It was like a jungle, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. everything. Absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. So anyway, a little bit more work to do, and then we'll see if it goes over that modern road, yep. fairly modern road, yep. into the next field. And yep. then if it does, we'll maybe put a little trench in there as yes. well. Yes. Thank you. So I'm here with Laura, who's an Aberdeen University archaeology student. Why are you here, Laura? Tell us about <laughs> Well, I'm just in between my second and third year, and I've got to fulfil some fieldwork requirements. Yep. So I've been on a couple of different sites this year, um, in Scotland and in Wales, uh, but I really want to do something local to Aberdeen. 
Yep. And something that's important to the northeast to to experience that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's good to dig on lots of different digs when you're an archaeology student with different directors. So you've been in Wales yeah. on an amazing dig, which is <laughs> very early um, archaeology. Yeah, so uh, prehistoric ice age yeah. so then to jump into something that's very recent is totally different yeah the finds yeah. are different the protocol is different so it's great yes absolutely great to just to see them. different directors different sites yeah, yeah. different periods and then you're off to Berghead in yes. a few days with Gordon Noble so yeah. that'll be exciting I saw some pictures of his um, wooden structures that are appearing <laughs> after his machining and that'll be amazing to dig yeah, there I'm really excited for that yeah good okay. good brilliant oh well have a lovely time thank you <laughs> I'm here with Dan. Dan, why did you come to the dig? What's your history? What have you been doing? Well, I've done a variety of things over my life. Archaeology has always been an interest. Uh, when I retired, I decided to get more involved with digs locally to where I lived in the borders. And uh, from there, I decided to do a degree, and I'm now in the middle of my second year of an archaeology and archaeological science degree at UHI, and came here basically for the experience of being on a, a different dig to where yes, I've been. Yes, So you, you, you'll have been here for the whole six weeks when you finish in a yes. couple of weeks' time, so, I mean, it's been fantastic for us, obviously, to have you here, and you've been excavating these rather interesting stone features that we haven't quite fully interpreted yet, but we're working on it. So you've uncovered, what What are we looking at? Well, there's three, immediately in this line here, there's three stone features, semicircles from half section. One of them is stone lined at the bottom, the other two are just stone circles. And there's also another feature here which possibly could be a post hole, possibly not. And I think there's possibly a couple of stake holes in this area as well. Over in the other bit there I've been doing, there's... A, once again, I think it's probably a circular feature, but I've done it as a semicircle, half-sectioned it. And there's a line of stones down the middle of it. And that, mm -hmm. once, it's intriguing. We don't know what they're for. No, but they do look like they've had a post or a stone or something set in them, don't they? They, they do, yes. Um, unfortunately, we don't really have any dating. This area's been quite badly damaged by agriculture. But um, you've still got a bit more excavation to do, so hopefully we'll find out a bit <laughs> more yeah. about them before you finish excavating Start them. Start them down and see if there's anything underneath. Absolutely. Well, let's hope so. Thanks, yep. Dan. So Sheena here is one of my longer standing volunteers. She's been volunteering with me since 2006. And you come out on most digs, Sheena. Why do you, why do you come on the digs? I, I enjoy working with you enormously. And I enjoy what I learn from being part of the digs. And I just enjoy, I move in fits, I get in. I'm always benefiting somewhere. And hopefully there's benefit to the wider project from yes. what I'm doing. Yes. I mean, I like you because you get, you, you're working next to somebody and then you're chatting away and I hear laughing and chatting. And then today you asked me about somebody who you'd worked with a few years ago, how she was getting on. I have her on Facebook, you know, I was saying, well, she's whatever. And you just love people. You like people. You like stories. You love, yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. a year of stories, of course, 2022. So, but you love a story, telling one, listening to one. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I, I, Language interests me, communication yeah. interests me, and this is this provides a, a forum yeah. uh, with yeah with the 
possibility always of learning and discovering and uh, absolutely yeah. yeah thank you sheena so carrie this is your first day on this site but you have been on other sites and of course you are intrinsically involved in this project tell us about why that is and what you're doing today well, I'm here today for my first time on the dig site here and I've met Sheena who's been absolutely wonderful. She's a, an established volunteer and we've had great fun just chatting. She's kept me right. So it's been lovely to be here with her and it's very sociable. What I'm normally here doing is bookbinding with children because I made a model of the Book of Deer. So to actually be here on site and it's a huge privilege and a real opportunity to, to be working your way through soil that probably nobody's worked through for thousands of Since thousands the medieval years, period. Since the medieval yeah. Time. Yeah. So it's great fun. And I've met lots of lovely first mm. first time volunteer mm. here in Caitlin and also Sheena who's been keeping me right. Yes. And of course you made the book that well I have one and Alice has one and I show to all the visitors or we show to the visitors and they go, Wow and some of them go, Is that actually the real book? And I go, Well no, because that's obviously in the art gallery and I haven't stolen it. But there's such an amazing copy that you made that it really brings it to life for people, you know, who have either been to look through the case, you know, cover at it, or who have never seen it before. Well, as somebody interested in bookbinding, I was always fascinated trying to understand the scale of the book. So that's why I made the model, and I wanted to be able to operate it as a book. Yeah. Uh, and I think it allows you to see it as a very personal gospel book that was obviously used to travel around this area that we're in now, in Aberdeenshire, and was used to... to bring the gospel to people here by the monks yeah so and hopefully at some point we'll find the original site i hope so yeah well if this isn't it well that we'll we'll keep digging keep digging tidy up your lurch We hope that listening to Ali and Alice's conversation has inspired you to find out more about the Book of Deer and its links to the northeast of Scotland. You might like to visit the Book of Deer Project Centre at the Aberdeenshire Farming Museum in Addin Country Park in Mintlaw, Aberdeenshire. We say goodbye to the Book of Deer at Aberdeen Art Gallery on Sunday the 2nd of October, but you can still explore this remarkable little book on the Cambridge University Library website. Until next time, goodbye from Gather Round.